Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com. You're listening to Baltimoreans, the home of the all-weather fan. My name is Sam Dingman. This is Alan Smith. Let's get stupid. Baltimoreans. Hello, Baltimoreans. How are y'all doing? Welcome to Baltimoreans background advertising music hour. <laughs> Boy, I'll tell you what I hate. <laughs> I hate autoplay video ads on my favorite websites. Hello, there, Baltimoreans. <laughs> there has got to be a better way to monetize content. How are you all doing? <laughs> Sam Dingman and Alan Smith here, coming it's, to you from Hootenanny Studios. We, uh, we're, we're, we're back in front of the live mics, ladies and gentlemen. We are happy to be here. That is right. Last week, we had Dave McKenna on the program, and I'd like to tell you a brief story. Over the weekend, I was at a local bookshop here in Brooklyn, New York, and I was looking at the bookshelves, and I saw that they had one of the editions of the Grantland Quarterly, the print version that they used to come out with. I don't know if they're still doing it. Anyway, this one was from 2008, and one of the writers was Dave McKenna. He's everywhere. And I felt pretty privileged to look at that and think, oh, he was just on our podcast recently. We are following him up this week with the, uh, I would say, perfect Charles Hoppus of the formal, former Orioles Spastics. Um, Charlie is going to be joining us in just a moment to talk about, gosh, all sorts of things. We cover <laughs> a lot of territory in this interview with Charlie Hoppus, and I think you're going to learn a lot, not just about Charlie, Alan, and myself, but yourselves as well. I think, I think you're going to gain some, some pretty critical insights. So stay tuned for that. Um, but Sam and I realized that <clears throat> in the, in the falderall of summer and of uh, distractions, that we haven't really talked about the Orioles per se um, with you, our Baltimoreans faithful, in, in, in quite some time. Which is, you know, theoretically part of our masthead around here. <laughs> so we're, we are going to talk about the Orioles a fair bit. During maybe not as much as you'd strictly hope for, <laughs> but if you're a Baltimoreans fan, you know you that's know about that's par for the course. About what to expect. But we are going to talk about the Orioles with Charlie, and we're going to talk about the Tigers. We're going to talk about the Red Sox. We're going to talk about the Yankees. We're going to get into some baseball business. But the Orioles are currently sporting what appears to be a historically excellent third baseman as the leadoff hitter in their everyday lineup. And we'd like to pause for a moment to appreciate that reality. Because it was not but four or five months ago where we sat here on this very airwaves and questioned whether or not Manny was going to turn into the top of the lineup threat, the person who could actually turn his doubles into home runs, the person who would routinely get on base, and actually the person who would steal on occasion which has become a new part of the Manny Machado portfolio that I don't think anybody saw coming. And I know a lot of you guys were having your doubts, too. I read, I read your tweets. I listen to the same podcasts you listen to. I know a lot of us were feeling like the Manny experiment was looking perhaps doomed to go off the rails, particularly when he started off this season by not hitting too well and forgetting how to throw the ball to first base. 
And everyone out there was saying that the idea that he was in the same class as Mike Trout and as Bryce Harper was purely uh, a function of <laughs> age and call-up and not in terms of skill or ability. But here we sit, friends, and would you like to know who the number eight overall most valuable player in all of Major League Baseball is by the BaseballReference.com measure of wins against replacement, excuse me, wins above replacement, Manny Machado. Number eight. Manny and is already a 4.4 win player in 2015. He's gotten the hiccups out of his glove. He is leading off games with home runs. He's stealing bases. He has returned to being the sort of sure out at third base that we were hoping that he would always be. Manny Machado's a, a, a legitimate all-star. A legitimate all-star and a legitimate cornerstone for this team. And I think the next question that I would like to gather folks' opinions on, including yours, Alan Smith, but also all of you via Twitter, at BMorons, let us know what you think. When is it Manny Machado extension time? Uh, I think it's time to extend him now. Um, I think that Manny Machado has already had a couple of public gripes about how much he is paid. Um, I don't want any more of that. I think that the uh, the growing pains were real, but I think that it's time to go ahead and, and, and lock him in and do sort of a, a Mike Trout thing where we acknowledge what he's worth to the franchise and, and to, the, to the city. You know, I'm reminded of the phrase Dan Duquette used when signing Adam Jones to the six-year contract extension that he signed him to in 2012. And it was, if I remember correctly, that Adam had rung the cash register, <laughs> and it was impossible to deny the contributions that he was making. And when that happens, the Orioles will be quick to swoop in and open the checkbooks to keep that player in Baltimore. And this has actually been true for some time. We did it with Brian Roberts. We did it with Nick Markakis. When someone is a legitimate cornerstone, these deals tend to get done. J.J. Hardy, to a lesser extent, from a dollar standpoint this offseason— uh, or I guess it was still technically the playoffs in 2014 that we signed him to that extension. And Manny Machado has been better already at the age of 23 than I think, dare I say, Adam Jones was at the moment when he was signed to his six-year extension. I think that's fair. And I think that, uh, you know, I think that we can probably wait till the end of this offseason to, to ink him. But uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to wait a whole lot more than that. I think we should go ahead and make him a franchise player. So, are you sold, Baltimoreans? Let us know. Uh, what should we do about the Manny Machado situation? We'd also like to pause and acknowledge here that uh, we were not only um, correct that this would be the year that Manny Machado manages to to either put his stamp on Major League Baseball or fade into the night. But we'd also like to uh, acknowledge the correctness of a previous statement, which is that Dan Duquette has decided that his current market inefficiency in baseball is people coming off a suspension. Yes. <laughs> After the news that he is with the Baltimore Orioles have signed a, uh, a minor league contract with Chris Perez, formerly of the Indians, who I believe was serving a marijuana-based suspension. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's had a couple of marijuana-based suspensions, if I believe. Dan Duquette has put his 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 name forward. He believes that the the market inefficiency currently existing is people who, for whatever reason, have been suspended by their teams for inappropriate actions. And and you know what the fuck of it is, Smith? Do you know do you know? It's that not only have we signed Chris Perez to a minor league deal, 
I will bet you dollars to damned donuts that Chris Perez pitches meaningful innings. Oh, yes. For the Baltimore Orioles, September of 2015. Oh, it's true. He's coming. So get ready for that. <laughs> but let's, I mean, look at this. This is, this is now, um, we are, we are, we are one stop on the Nelson Cruz reclamation train. We were uh, an unsuccessful stop on the Everett Cabrera reclamation rocket ship. Chris Perez, the continued desire to bring Delman Young onto the franchise, we just seem to be marketing in people who the rest of Major League Baseball has um, turned their their nose up at. And I wonder, does does Dan is this an intentional? Um, bargain shopping opportunity for Mr. Duquette? Well, I think there's an interesting little mini narrative here, which is that I wonder why there has not been more wondering aloud in the press over whether or not Dan is starting to slip from his game a little bit. Because in the off seasons of previous years, we have had a great amount of success with these reclamation projects. But in 2015, our major signings were Wesley Wright, mm. Delman Young, and Everth Cabrera. Those were our big free agent signings. I think he gets a lot of rope because of Jimmy Paredes. You, that is true. <laughs> I also, uh, just, just for the record, Orioles faithful, we have been keeping a catalog of the days that someone tweeted that this is the beginning of the Jimmy Paredes regression. And uh, the only days that someone has not tweeted that were uh, May 17th and June 4th. (laughs) (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, let's get into our conversation with Charlie Hoppus, who we were very thrilled to be joined by, as we always are. You're listening to Baltimoreans. Hello, hello. Would that be uh, would that be a Charlie Hoppus on the line? Oh, that's me. You know that's me. Charlie I'm Hoppus. Charles Hoppus. I don't know if you can see me, but I'm like creepily in the dark right now. Ah, uh, we can't see you, but it's it's fun to imagine you creepily in the dark. <laughs> that's that's for the best. I don't want you to see me. Should I'm, we all I'm just painting with my imagination? Should we all I'm share ashamed. what we're wearing or not wearing? I am <laughs> wearing a T-shirt and boxers, and that is it. All oh, right. Baltimoreans right. After Dark with Charlie Hoppus. I'm wearing a tuxedo. Ooh, nice. Tie, tie a, a self-tie? Yeah, of course. Okay, undone or tied? <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> are we farmers? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You might be in the relaxed stage of the night. I mean, the real question is, are you Dean Martin or someone else who wore tuxedos but was always put together, who I can't think of right now? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Who was always put together? Yeah, not Sinatra. not Dean Martin. Very Sinatra. very few people from that. Tu- what I like to call the tuxedo era. Sinatra was plugged in though, right? He he, he kept himself sharp. By and large, right? I'd say a mixed record at best for Frank Sinatra. Really? All right. He All right, was kind so... of the the Chris Davis of lounge singing. <laughs> for those of you who are not aware. 
I don't know who you are, but Charlie Hoppus is one of the... Uh, Wait, are we recording? <laughs> we've been recording since Jump. <laughs> one, of, one of the brilliant minds behind the uh, former Sister Wife podcast of the, of this, of, of the Baltimoreans, the Orioles Spastics. Charlie, we've actually invited you here today because Sam and I have hit a bit of a hiccup in terms of our own recording um, regularity. We now, put you're out... going to have to... You're gonna have to fill me in on what that is because I've I've been listening to I have to admit I've been listening to Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, <laughs> Good choice. I've been listening to uh, as much Prairie Home Companion as I can. Well, I still can. Oh, so you Ooh. you're 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 feeling that is once Garrison leaves, it's no longer Prairie Home Companion. Why why would they even try? Why why wouldn't they just let it go softly into that Good Night? I don't understand. That happened. Between five and seven years ago. <laughs> That's fine. Let it keep fading. Let it just keep fading to black. Look, in his defense, in Garrison's defense, if I may, once sure. Robert Altman makes a movie about you, you're at the top of your game. I mean, what, what are you going to do at that point? It's a time to coast. Starring, a movie starring Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> Um, Let's not get into the particulars of the film. What you're trying to what you're trying to back into here, Charles, is that you have not been listening to the Baltimoreans podcast. So you don't I know been to that any we've, baseball podcasts. That so, we have so not put me. out a single episode. We've put out one episode in the last uh, month and a half. Two, two in the last month and a half. Two in the last month and a half. Which but is, I would say, at least one of them is pretty solid. <laughs> so we put out one and a half episodes <laughs> in the past two months. <laughs> Um, well, which which is which is actually closing in on the the hollowed ground of the Orioles spastics production schedule, which I think in season two was one episode per year. Is that right? We were we were stunned to find out today. We were like, when was the last? This feels good. Like when was the last time we did this together? We looked it up and it was uh, September of last year, and we were all stunned. We were like, no, 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 we didn't do a podcast in September. It was at least May. <laughs> uh, so that should that should give you a good indication. So we've asked you here today to c coach us through um, getting back onto a regular schedule. I want to know what your training regime has been. I want to know how you all came together in the writer's room to get back on that Orioles Bastics production schedule of, of two per season. You know, it's a uh, – regiment is the right word. We have <laughs> – you, you really have to – As it so often is. <laughs> You got to train your mind. You got to train your body. Um, I found that the best way to get myself ready for an Oriole Spastics episode is to abandon all my personal relationships and dive into a television show uh, <laughs> instead of friends or nourishment. Mm. Um, What's your latest? I just finished Game of Thrones. I started it. Uh, I was oh, in such oh no. I was in such a training mode. I started it uh, not last Thursday, but the Thursday before, and wrapped it up on Sunday. So oh, that was no. five five <laughs> seasons in twelve days. I'm suddenly <laughs> your description of yourself at the beginning of the program as alone in a dark room in not but boxer shorts and a t-shirt. It the picture the context is clarifying, shall we say? I want I want to talk to you guys about Game of Thrones. <laughs> Is that what we are here to talk about? <laughs> well, in many ways, one could view the American League East in two. I'm not even going to try to do this. <laughs> no, this no, is no. a this is a worthless comparison, in well, particular here, here, because I've seen zero episodes of Game of Thrones. So this should well, be a, a lively conversation. The, the better question is, how much baseball have you watched? 
as you get ready for your your roaring comeback? Oh, quite a bit actually. I've Good. been I've been keeping to a a strong. Well, I don't know if I would call two of the three games in Chicago baseball, <laughs> at least from an Orioles standpoint. <laughs> no, I've been no, watching Lord, no. baseball themed contests. <laughs> Baseball and baseball-related activities, <laughs> <laughs> and baseball byproducts. How about you? Did you did you pause any during that um, that impressive marathon to to re-nourish yourself with Americans' pastime? Um, no, I I I, I had time <laughs> to uh, between episodes while the credits were rolling to uh, I have the the Papa John's app on my phone. <laughs> Um, and also, <laughs> in addition to that, I also uh, was able to check in on the games, watch watch highlights as it happens. MLB at bat is actually a fantastic app. Um, it's really good, especially compared to all the things that the NBA and NFL have. Um, it's sort of astonishing that baseball, for some reason, somehow is the one that got that one right. But aren't don't you every? I'm assuming, and maybe I'm assuming incorrectly, that you're talking about following the games via the game day feature in the MLB at bat app. And whenever- yes, yes, um, mostly mostly sort of just checking in on the score. Uh, I definitely clicked over a few times to uh, watch some of the better games or um, key moments or whatever. Because um, I just know. say whenever I'm using the game day feature. Which, if there's anyone listening to this who doesn't know about the game day feature, that's where they show you a still image of someone who looks vaguely like a member of the Baltimore Orioles. And then they show (laughs) you dots where each pitch during an at-bat lands. And then in text, they describe to you what the outcome of each pitch was. Whenever I spend, let's say, upwards of 12 minutes doing that, my mind goes to dark places. And I start thinking to myself about the other things that I could be doing with that time. Like visiting the dark, dark halls of Westeros. Ah, that was a professional broadcaster segue, <laughs> sir. <laughs> All right, no, 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 let, let's stay on topic. No, it, it is, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely not, it's definitely not the best way to, to watch baseball. <laughs> but it is the worst way. The big thing, the big things as you make your comeback are wean yourself back onto baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, try, try like, try, try talking to Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer a little bit. See what they have to say about your thoughts. Do you, um, do you mean, you mean um, over the broadcast, just sort of a, a a dialogue with the television? Yeah, yeah. Good, good. Um, I I won't lie. There are there is a non-zero number of times when. Gary Thorne has wandered down one of his uh, oratorical, uh, is that a word? Oratorial rabbit holes, nope. where I have said out loud at the television, what are you doing, Gary? Where's this going? And, and likewise, I have more than once said something to the television and had Jim Palmer answer me. Correctly, <laughs> like in, a, in a way that made sense. Um, I'm not joking. He's, <laughs> for whatever reason... This is a scary thought, but uh, Jim Palmer and I are on the same page. It might be the underwear <laughs> thing. Um, can I share? Can I share a personal story about Jim Palmer? Oh, so close to! I was hoping you were going to say a personal story about underwear. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy to share one of those too. Begin. Um, but uh, 
I was I was introducing my girlfriend Karen to the Masson broadcast team recently, and she saw Jim Palmer come on the screen for the pregame comments between uh, Jim and Gary Thorne. Those are always, of course, so trenchant and relevant, <laughs> those comments. <laughs> well, here we go. We got a baseball game is basically a, an apt summary, I think. And so Jim Palmer appears, and he had not spoken yet. And Karen turned to me and said, that is a man who is powered by steak and blowjobs. <laughs> yep. No, that's... That's right. That's accurate. And That's, I thought uh, at at a at a initial diagnosis that is very spot on. I wouldn't and, be surprised. And and that's not to say said blowjobs don't come from his wife, and that said steak is not you know organically farmed. This is not a moral judgment on the man. No 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 no. <laughs> Lord no. I I I, uh, I would like to think that someday we will all be powered by such wonders. Forms of energy. We can only hope. We can only hope. It's they're <laughs> great, great natural resources. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, ease yourself back onto some baseball. Talk, talk to your TV a little bit. Okay. Um, the toughest part for us. Well, first off, I, I, I heard you mention a girlfriend. As for me, right there, pretty much all bets are, <laughs> all bets are off. Right, like you can't podcast anymore. Your career is over. Um, you had a good run. You had a good run. But I, I think you pretty much have to be either single or married for this to be acceptable. I, mm. I think that I think that that's the... The dating phase, it's right out. That's actually an interesting observation because it is also over this... Not only did Sam get a new actual radio job in the last two months, which has been oh, probably pulling away some of his his podcasting time, but both of us have started dating somebody. So really, that's probably not, the issue. Not the same person, I should clarify. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded vaguely from what Alan said. And not each other, we should also clarify. <laughs> like Alan and I have taken our collaboration <laughs> to a strange level, and that, that is, is not what's going on. It's a brave world out there, and <laughs> just do whatever you think is right. Whatever feels right. Do that. Have your have your significant others, whoever they might be, on your podcast. Talk about Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, so it's, have it's really. Can I just say? Can I just say that Game of Thrones is is. Uh, am I allowed to swear on this? Well, sure. I, I just said blowjobs, so I think the bloom is off the off the it rose. It is. It is fucking awful. Like it is just. <laughs> so on on on. Uh, Super rapey. On, super rapey, so much. Bl- so on Fourth of July, um, uh, you know, I'm hanging out with some people. This wasn't totally weird, guys. Uh, there were people. <laughs> that we're, we're all sitting around. Um, the room is and... dark. Everyone's wearing their t-shirts and boxer shorts. Yes, I'm with you. Right. We're all gathered. It's no, definitely no pants o'clock. And we're all. We are all for some reason. We didn't think this through. We have. We have decided to craft. Uh, these excellent Bloody Marys. Mm. That sounds like a perfectly thought through plan. Do not, under any circumstances, have Bloody Marys and beef jerky while watching Game of Thrones. That's a good point. (laughs) The, the, The level of difficulty is astronomical. You can't do it. You just are gagging down your own vomit the entire time. Speaking of which, let's talk about the Orioles in the first half of the season. 
it, is it as bad as all that? I, we're okay. We're <laughs> well. Well, uh, remember, I haven't been paying attention to baseball in a month, so so wait, I need wait, to wait, be filled so, in. So wait, this this actually works. It's it's there were delicious moments like the sips of the Bloody Mary, and there were well crafted moments like the 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 wonderful cinematography and storytelling of Game of Thrones. But yet you are still sometimes throwing up a little bit in your mouth. <laughs> it actually like the I'm, aforementioned I'm, Chicago White Sox series. <laughs> right. Okay, so now that we've made it about Game of Thrones, I can talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think uh I mean I think the the thing that I feel like struck me most vigorously about the end of the first half of the season as measured by number of games played, not by the arbitrary tomfoolery of the All-Star game, Mm -hmm. at which it was announced today we will have four representatives, Mm -hmm. none of them voted by the fans. (laughs) Which, by the way, I should say... It's okay, the fans only voted for Royals this year, so it's sort of arbitrary. And it's partially my fault, because I'm not voting 35 times. That's crazy. Per email address? Who are the people who have enough time? I barely have enough time... (laughs) To produce a podcast every six weeks. <laughs> Who's sitting down and, and voting 35 times for, for the likes of... Uh, one of the people who was supposedly our delegates to the All-Star Congress was Steve Pierce. That was one of the available people on the ballot. Mm. Mm. I, that's what I call a broken system. Look, the types of people that sit down... I'm not here to judge people that sit on their couch and do anything for any extended period. <laughs> So, I mean, whatever, if you're going to sit there and root or vote for, you know, who, I don't even know who, Escobar, you know, 35 times per email address, I mean, God love you. You know, that's, (laughs) that is your prerogative. I will say that person has more focus than I do. Yeah. Yeah. If only we could harness that focus for good. Hmm. So anyway, I think, I think that's, <laughs> therein lies the trouble. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I come to the end of the first, the mathematical first half of the 2015 season, and I am reminded via the wonderful graphics department at the much maligned Masson, <laughs> probably during the pregame banter between Gary and Jim, come to think of it, that the Orioles have the same record after 81 games in 2015 as they did in the 2014 American League, American, let me try these words one more time, American League East champion season. And then I get on my internet skateboard and I skate on over to baseballreference.com and I take a look at the simple rating system that they have there which ranks the Orioles as the fifth best team in the entire major leagues. And then I take a look at the Pythagorean one lost record, again, as calculated by baseballreference.com, and see that according to that metric, we have been robbed of four wins by the fates, and that our record should be 47 and 35. And then uh, I take a little scrolly pole down, And I look at our team ERA, which is 3.68, quite respectable. Right. I look at our team on base percentage, which is, you know, about middle of the pack. And that's something we've struggled a lot with before. We're still hitting all the home runs. Uh, It is not really 
despite the loss of Nelson Cruz and Nick Marcakis, it is not really that much worse of a team. And I think mathematically you could argue that it's a better team. So why do we all feel a little ill at ease? I think one reason we feel a little bit upset is because the current fan Orioles relationship is something like the Stannis Stannis's daughter relationship at the end of the last season of Game of Thrones. Oh, you guys are good. <laughs> you guys are good. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay, I'm back in. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't sure what to say there for a while. But Charlie was I busily looking up, what is on base percentage again? I, I don't remember. How many... <laughs> well, I think um, that the relationship has soured in a way that I don't totally understand because... It seems as though uh, Orioles have been Orioles faithful have been willing to call this season a wash at the end of April and at the end of May and at the end of June. Well, here's my question: How much of that, in each of us personally, and if we may speculate for the entirety of Orioles Nation, how much of that is informed by the abject panic that we all felt when it looked like Dan Duquette was going to leave for the Blue Jays? Because for me, <laughs> I've realized that. My patience level was significantly lower by virtue of that whole little preseason drama because it reminded me of what teetering above the abyss feels like. All mm. of a sudden, all the old terrible feelings came back. <laughs> part, of, part, of the, part of the feeling for me, I think, is just that like we, sh we could be so much better. Like mm. if, we, if we stopped running out Tillman and Norris again and again, uh, when they're clearly not right, when we are just like jerking around Gosman, like it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. It we're running out players with, you know, OPSs sub seven hundred, sometimes sub six hundred, uh, and letting them amass hundreds of at bats. Yeah, like it just feels like, yeah, we're good. Also, like, oh my. God, what like at what point is loyalty just like frustration and stupidity? And and we've seen this a little bit with Buck before, and it's what make it, it's what makes Buck great. And so like I'm not trying to come down on Buck, but oh, damn, I with... wish I had no to just burn my Stannis reference. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. Ah. Also, did you say burn your Stannis reference I did. on purpose? I did. Okay, I did. So Thank you, Charlie. Thank you, you Charlie. Are... You're a bad person for that. I have a sense that there's a nuance here I'm not picking up on. Um, nobody, no, I'm going to leave it be. <laughs> Spoilers are very important. Yeah, um, that's true. Well, yeah. where was I? Oh, oh yeah, so, uh, so I'm not ready to, you know, burn bucket the stake or anything for this, but I, I will say, yeah, there it was. Um, I will I will say that this, this happened back with, uh, most notably in my mind, at least, with Jim Johnson, where we could tell as fans, as as uninformed, I've played two seasons of competitive, very loosely competitive baseball in my life. Mm. One was when I was 10 and one was when I was 16. And <laughs> I had to come totaled, back from the Tommy John, did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I totaled uh, zero hits, zero <laughs> in two seasons. And and yet. Despite this this baseball knowledge, I can tell I could tell within four pitches if we got good Jim Johnson or bad Jim Johnson. Nightmare right. Jim Johnson. <laughs> yeah, and we we knew right away, but like 
despite that, just like, all right, well, we got bad Jim Johnson. Like you have, that means that they could probably tell in the bullpen. Right. Like, why didn't the bullpen coach just call up and be like, yeah, it's bad Jim Johnson tonight. <laughs> you better get anybody else warm. Um, well, I, I would like to, I would like to, in that regard, <laughs> chime in on Chris Tillman, who you mentioned earlier. Thankfully, as of this writing, Bud Norris has been at least temporarily demoted from the rotation and replaced with Kevin Gossman. But it does seem like we're going to keep running Tillman out there until he figures it out. And I would like to posit a very simple theory for what is wrong with Chris Tillman this year. And this is not something I made up. This was a talking point early in the offseason, and I think it's been borne out, at least anecdotally, in all of his appearances so far this year. I think he's overweight. Hmm. I think when you look at him from profile, especially when there are runners on base, which there are frequently <laughs> during 2015 Chris Tillman starts, and you see him in that pose he's in where he kind of hooks the ball behind his right hip and looks in to get the sign, there is a very distinct paunch. In... <laughs> More right hip than there used to was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a very distinct paunch there, and so I don't think it's that crazy to extrapolate from that that He's having a little bit trouble than uh, a little bit more trouble than usual getting down over his front side because there's more mass to get his arm over, and so the ball is up a little bit more, and so it's getting hit harder. Wow, that's like actual baseball analysis. <laughs> I know this because I was once an overweight pitcher, <laughs> and that is exactly what my coach said to me. He said, "You know." If it weren't for the old spare tire you got <laughs> rocking and rolling around the hips there, you well, might be able to get a little more pull a, on the breaking ball. Stick with me and it'll be an overweight podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> Over Overweight former podcaster. Uh, no, that's, that's interesting. I, I, I just, I get why you want to be loyal to these guys. And I mean, obviously Tillman's Tillman, but... Bud Norris was one of my favorite Orioles last year. Um, he's just like always fired up. I don't know. It, yeah. I, I, I really he enjoyed. Yeah, he, he cared um, always. And he loves Baltimore, and that's always fun. Like, I, I want, but a, a good Bud Norris is preferable to, you know, a good somebody else. I, I want Bud Norris personally to succeed. Uh, but he's just like not. And so, like, stop, <laughs> stop it. Like, stop putting him out there. Well, yeah. and critically, I think, with the Bud Norris situation, with the Chris Davis situation, and this was more true earlier in the season when he was really, really struggling, um, Bud Norris is going to be a free agent, Wei Yin Chen's going to be a free agent, Chris Davis is going to be a free agent, and even though it seems like the Orioles have, over the course of the last you know, six weeks or so, gotten their act together and look as fit to contend in the American League East as anybody, any of these other clown teams do... <laughs> um, that we're going to have to make some moves at the deadline to stay competitive, and I would really like us to make some moves at the deadline with regard to these pending free agents so that this next offseason, when Dan Duquette maybe does leave, is not a total quagmire of contract extension talks and an inability to look at the... I mean, next offseason is a really amazing free agent pool. Justin Upton, David Price... These are people who we should be in the conversation for. Well, here's the reason why Dan Duquette is a perfect partner for Buck Showalter. Because for every piece of Buck Showalter's mentality, which is sort of an old-school loyalty-first take on the world, 
Dan Duquette has no moral compass at all about people. <laughs> He'll cut you as soon as look at you. <laughs> and, you know, if, if you're – I feel like the, the one interesting thing about the Dan Duquette era is that everybody's on the table, which means that I would not be surprised. Sure, most of his moves so far have been sort of tinkering around the edges, but you've never gotten the impression that he was not willing to listen for any deal, no matter how ridiculous or um, – <clears throat> loyal or not loyal it happened to be so i feel like showalter will manage with a certain amount of showalter and loyalty which we all sort of appreciate in some ways and then duquette will just cut bud norris duquette is the counter to that yeah (laughs) Yeah. he is the counter to that or to go all the way back delman young for assignment (laughs) see ya (laughs) go go. delman young was a guest on baltimore on check it out um (laughs) Oh, God, that's going to just be such a shit show. <laughs> um, I'm so sorry, guys. Those I think you guys. mean bird's eye view. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Also, <laughs> no, I meant both. Um, bird's eye view, yes. Um, going back all the way back to the original question, that is why I think this team feels so frustrating is because we're still – like we're right there always and like we're a game out of first and this despite all this just like seemingly avoidable crap yeah uh, well especially when the division seems to be there for the taking right one yeah. of these teams will eventually put together a a hot streak and you would like the Orioles to be far enough out ahead that that doesn't necessarily hurt us. Except that, you know, the thing about that that's crazy to me is I think that that team, if it happens, is going to be the Red Sox. Yeah. Because if you look at the actual roster construction or the Jays. of all these teams, but the Jays, unless they make a move for a pitcher. Which they're going to do. Which and guys they are going to get do. healthy, too. Guys that's will get true. healthy, too. That's true. That's true. Um, I think they're going to make a move for a back-of-the-rotation guy. I think they're going to make a move for... Uh... I, I've heard Bud Norris is available. <laughs> <laughs> that would be spectacular. Uh... Bud Norris as Toronto's closer? Who's, I don't who's want trolling who in Bud that scenario? <laughs> yeah, I don't want pissed off Bud Norris coming into Baltimore, though. It's true. Oh, boy. Yeah, That would be, that'd be scary. Chin music I, for days. <laughs> I think... You're right, though. I think if uh, if the Red Sox turn it around a little bit this really turns into a a war of five teams yeah absolutely absolutely but i mean that that's the thing that's so frustrating is you look at what the rays are doing it makes no goddamn sense (laughs) and i know they have started to fade of late they had a seven game losing streak i think they're hovering right around 500 uh you look at what the blue jays have done and it makes sense from an offensive standpoint makes no sense from a pitching standpoint not sustainable you look at what the yankees have done and it makes sense until the inevitable parade of injuries begins, which it already has with Ellsbury. And it does not seem likely that Tanaka's arm is going to remain attached for or the entire Sharon summer. Can make it for an entire entire yeah. summer. Yeah, there's no there there. It, it's a, it's it, those bones cannot remain unbroken. <laughs> Wait, I mean, so since you guys since you guys haven't been talking about baseball and I haven't been talking about baseball, can we very briefly pause and talk about the fact that? Uh, the Yankees have this really awkward thing going on with Alex Rodriguez right now that is so <laughs> so, so enjoyable to watch. <laughs> they like want they like want him gone so badly, but he's maybe their best player. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say 
demonstrably their best player at this point. It's awesome. It feels so, <laughs> they feel as unclean as this situation could make them feel. Truthfully, it's the only way I'm comfortable rooting for Alex Rodriguez. I have never, ever rooted for any player harder than I'm rooting for Alex Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> and really I quick, let's like just it's... run down. That includes Eddie Murray, <laughs> Cal Ripken. It's, it's still rooting against the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. It is. I also appreciated that the gentleman who caught his 3,000th hit turned out to be exactly the douchebag that A-Rod deserved. <laughs> and the one that he needed. Yeah. It, yeah, it was definitely, like, everything about the whole thing is just the most poetic justice all around. I feel so good. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that is, that is a very, I, I would say, among the more delicious storylines in the 2015 season. And while we're on the topic of the Yankees and their aging players with bloated contracts, did you see the thing on MLB Trade Rumors today about comparing Justin Verlander to CC Sabathia? Ooh. No. As Verlander, you know, I guess maybe a year or two younger than Sabathia, but at this point, according to this writer, whose name I will look up so that we can actually credit him, uh is already basically on the same trajectory as Sabathia. Doesn't have an arm injury, so it's not like he's not going to be able to pitch anymore. However, has accumulated enough bumps and bruises along the way and has enough excessive mileage on the arm that it's very unrealistic to expect that he is going to be able to live up to the value of the contract, but you can't cut him and you can't move him to the bullpen. Mm Mm-mm. CeCe Sabathia has become the biggest of all of the albatrosses, which is sort of surprising to me. Very surprising. That was Joel Sherman in the New York Post, by the way. Hmm. Is it surprising, though? Because actually, in the history of the Yankees, there has never been someone that has more pinstripes on his uniform <laughs> than CeCe Sabathia. No, I'm, I'm being totally serious. Yep. Think about that. He eclipsed there, Babe Ruth. <laughs> Babe Ruth? There was uh, Cecil Fielder late in his career. Like <laughs> yeah. He's got some big, big boys. and. <laughs> That's no, bigger. So That's a good is point. It, is it surprising? It's, it's what you're saying about the paunch. Yeah. Yeah. Although the, for so long, the paunch was his friend. <laughs> right. It was part of the power. Yeah. Part of the part of how he got so much. That's oomph. right. He got thinner and then he sucked. Right. And then Kinda he tried like... to put the weight back on and he still sucked. <laughs> yeah. Same thing happened with Prince Fielder. Hmm. Certain people just meant to be paunch. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, while, while we're at it, uh, we should point out, just so that we're being equal opportunity here, nobody could figure out why Chris Tillman was good either when Chris Tillman was good. <laughs> well, but every sabermetrician said that he wasn't good. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So they, they all turned out to be correct. <laughs> yeah, they were, they were right. <laughs> I should clarify. Uh, no one who didn't know what they were talking about <laughs> could figure out why Chris Tillman uh, was good. Fucking nerds. Got us again. <laughs> So so disappointing. <laughs> no, but back to Verlander here for a second. Do we think that the Detroit window is officially slammed close? Well, there was Cabrera a thing. is out until mid-August. There Martinez was extremely old. There was a thing uh, also on MLB Trade Rumors today about the Tigers' ownership mulling over whether to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. Wow. wow. Which is astounding when you consider that payroll. So whatever else we can say about Delman Young, we can at least say 
he was the one responsible for putting the nail in the Tigers championship coffin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he uh I I'm so scared that he's going to do the haunt your former team in the playoffs thing. Mm. He is get like on a contender and, and and just sort of have three pinch hit at bats against us at some point in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, would you guys like to know the last off season in which Delman Young had zero at bats? When was that? That would be two thousand eight. What? How many teams has he been on between now and then? One, two, three, four. Two thousand nine <laughs> and two thousand ten with Minnesota. 2011 and 2012 with Detroit, 2013 with Tampa Bay, and 2014 with your Baltimore Orioles. Isn't he always in the playoffs, though? Isn't he like Robert Ory? He just, like, picks up on playoff teams? Yeah, but that's 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 what I'm saying. If we do make it to the playoffs with this rickety boat of a team that we can't figure out whether they're good or not... Delman Young will surely be waiting it, for us. It's very likely that the scenario <laughs> you fear will come true. <laughs> Great. Although, knowing Dan Duquette, it may be us that he joins the playoff <laughs> roster for. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'm sure nobody takes it very personally, except for Wei and Chen. That was sort of weird. That oh, was yeah. very disappointing. Aren't you guys, aren't you guys he, in touch with him regularly? He took it very personally. He was upset. Yeah. Although, I will say, if you actually look at what he said, it was a pretty reasonable thing to have said. Have, oh, have com- him said it was completely reasonable <laughs> it was definitely completely reasonable i'm i have to admit i'm in the camp that thinks it wasn't even him that said it i'm i think i think boris planted it oh yeah 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 and i think he took advantage of of poor wei in chen whose grasp of the english language is not robust and made it seem like he said something that he he didn't say because that, that just to me that doesn't seem like a chen move uh among other things, Chen has such a strong reputation, as we always hear, for being an amazing teammate and being one of the most popular guys on the team. Which, given that he is a translator, just does not make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, no, just nobody likes anyone else on the team. <laughs> so so right, since he's a, the one that they understand the least. Like, yeah. yeah, you're the best. You're the best of us. I wouldn't be surprised also, knowing baseball players, if there isn't some, some gentle racism involved in... <laughs> Chen's popularity. Oh, God. Well, I think we've got it all figured out, gentlemen. I think we have we've pretty much got this all wrapped up in a in a neat bow. Did you say in a meat bow? I said uh, a flayed bow, Charlie. It's a flayed bow. A meat meat and blowjobs bow. <laughs> The Good. tigers are destined to be dire wolves. Did I do something there? Did That's I, sure. a thing. Yeah. 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 Dire wolves is good. Winter is coming. Winter. For Detroit. Is coming. <laughs> the, the night is dark and full of terrors for yeah. Detroit. Charlie Hoppus, thank you very much, as always, for joining us. My computer is, uh, is, is making noises. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that stop. It got it got in <laughs> try, the way. Try that again. That that ad got in the way of my 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 out announce of our our wonderful guest Charlie Hoppus, who joins us periodically to share his thoughts on HBO dramas, the Baltimore Orioles roster construction, and ideal nocturnal attire. 
So, Charlie, would you give um, Game of Thrones uh, a scale of one to four bloody severed thumbs way up? Where are you? I think at its best, it's like the, the one of the best shows on television right now. Um, and it reaches its best a surprisingly high amount of times. At its worst, it's like... It's got all the gore and weird sexual stuff without any of the good parts, and it's like tough to watch. Um, but th- those luckily are pretty infrequent. So I'd say I'd say uh, three three out of four bloody severed thumbs. All right. And do we think five seasons in twelve days is a record of some kind? No. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't tell you guys about my X Files. <laughs> <laughs> it's a. Uh, Charlie Hoppus, single and available. <laughs> follow him. Follow him or try to date him on Twitter at Charlie Hoppus11. Great. Good, good, seg, good, good pitch. <laughs> that's, that's as solid an out as we could possibly hope for. Listening to Baltimore Ons, the home of the all-weather fan. This over here is Alan Smith. And on the opposite side of the desk, Sam Dingman at your service, ladies and gentlemen. Enough beating around the bush. It is time for the portion of the program that I know you've all been sitting here anxiously awaiting. Lo these last haven't edited this edited this yet, but let's call it about 40 minutes. <laughs> That's about what we come in these days. This is episode 126 of the program. And You've got to be sitting there thinking to yourselves, I don't know what to do with that number. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's just too large. But that is why my esteemed co-host Alan Smith is here, to place this episode of the program, as he always does, in its appropriate cultural context. Because, Sam, episode 126 is a number steeped in tradition. 1, 20, and 6 are the answers to the three-part final question that Bud Selig had to give correctly to become the official commissioner of baseball in 1998. Now, you'll remember, baseball fans, that he served as the acting commissioner of baseball since 1992, but was only made official in 1998. The questions were all drawn from the secret commissioner's handbook and were, in order, how many people are currently abusing steroids in Major League Baseball? What should be the largest allowable ratio of spending from the highest market to the lowest market team? You may express your answer as a ratio or a number. And finally, how many dollars should an MLB team expect to pay out of pocket on this commissioner's watch for a new stadium? The answers, according to official MLB documentation, were 1, Vinny Castilla, because, I mean, come on, guys, 20, nearly reached by the Yankees and the Royals in 2004, and 6, although many stadiums ended up being slightly under the $6 mark thanks to the hard work of this particular commissioner. Old Bud nailed all three, thus claiming his new title. To complete his induction, the blood of a top pitching prospect was spilled, the entire Padres ticket sales were burned, and one plastic Yankees cup of soft-serve ice cream was consumed by both the incoming and outgoing commissioner, as is tradition. 1998 was a great year for baseball. With the totally legit Maguire-Sosa home run chase, 
the expansion of both the Diamondbacks, starring Kareem Travers, and the Rays, starring Wade Boggs, and Kerry Wood starting his guaranteed Hall of Fame career by striking out 20 in one game. Our own Buck Showalter intentionally walked Barry Bonds with the bases loaded. So here on episode 126, we reflect on what was and what was sure to be under the tenure of young Bud, and wonder what Rob Manfred's legacy will be when he finally hangs up the spikes. One thing for sure, Baltimoreans, we guarantee our intrepid reporting will discover what exactly Manfred was asked in his final three questions. That'll do it for this week's episode of Baltimoreans, ladies and gentlemen. You know it's a good Alan Smith essay when he cracks himself up reading it. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you which line it was. If you if you feel so inclined, send us a tweet at bmorons. Guess which of Alan's lines caused him to crack up <laughs> into the old Shure SM7B here at Hootenanny Studios. We should also mention that while we have not been producing quite as regularly as we would like, many of our Sister Wife podcasts have been continuing to crank out excellent content. Uh, in fact, shout out to the BEV boys for, I believe, leaving us in their dust in terms of episode production numbers, even as they are currently on vacation. <laughs> Which is embarrassing for us. <laughs> and possibly also for them. <laughs> and possibly also for them. That's right. Sister Wife podcasts. Why do we have those? Because we're a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network, which you can find at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. And we would recommend that you do that for all the Baltimore Orioles coverage you need, and in our case, some you don't. <laughs> Music on the show, not that I'm going to do much better, was, of course, our theme song, written and performed by Marshall, Marshall York. York. Very nice. Okay, let's do them all together. <laughs> okay. The interstitial music was the song Working for Another Song by the band Town Hall. More interstitial music. The song Birdland by the band. Ooh, can you get it? Weather Report. Not there. It's been a while. It's been a while. And playing behind my voice right now, it's the Black Crows with Kicking My Heart Around. Alan Smith, you know, we've asked some difficult questions on the show this week. As we do every week. We've literally, in the case of Charlie, gone to some dark places. But there's one, there's one more question that I feel we need to wrestle with before we power down the microphones this evening. Hit me. And that is this. If this episode of, oh, you're going to love it. If this episode of Baltimoreans was, okay, hold on. What do you call Henry Erudia when he is this episode of Baltimoreans? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Henry overdue Rudia? That's better. That's better than mine. What was yours? Henry Yerudia 126. <laughs> and farewell, Baltimoreans. Yeah.
Baltimoreans is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find, find more podcasts like this at baltimoresportsreport.com.